This is Entheogen, talk about tools for generating the divine within. Find the notes and links for this and other episodes at entheogenshow.com. Sign up to receive an email when we release a new episode. Follow us at Entheogen Show on Twitter and like Entheogen Show on Facebook. Today is February 28th, 2016, and we are discussing psychedelic medicine trials with a participant in a recent psilocybin study, Kirk Rudder. Kirk, thanks for joining us on Entheogen. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm, I'm really pleased. I love the show and uh, it's great to be on it. Excellent. Yeah, we're, we're really psyched to have you on. I think uh, Kevin had, had the most contact with you through uh, various channels on social media. And we've all been enjoying reading your blog and just getting kind of a behind the scenes, uh, you know, view into how some of these uh, studies and trials work. Um, and you've been really generous in you know, sharing, sharing that uh, story, you know, both uh, in, in your personal narrative, uh, through some videos you've taken uh, on location. It's just uh, fantastic. So thanks for doing that and for agreeing to be on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah, Kirk, uh, you and I, uh, I guess you, you reached out first uh, through our Facebook page, and then we sort of got into uh, a dialogue. And, and honestly, when you told me the first time that you uh, had just participated in Imperial College uh, Carhartt-Harris study, we were, we, the, the three of us were a little bit uh, in shock like that. Yes, <laughs> you know, this is, this, is, this is amazing. This is exactly where we want to go. So uh, it's a real pleasure to have you. And uh, I think to, to start out, uh, it would just be great. You know, how does one get involved in, in, a, in a study like this? You know, could, could you give us a little bit of a, a background to, you know, your life up until this point and then how this kind of happened? Sure. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm teetotal, so I don't uh, smoke, uh, sorry, I don't drink and uh, really use any recreational drugs. <clears throat> but I'd been looking into um, ayahuasca and uh, DMT. I'd, I'd read the, um, and, and seen the film, The Spirit Molecule. I was very interested in it. I, I, I was interested in the kind of mystical experience side of it and um, wanted to try it. So I spent about a year building up the courage. Um, and I actually found a retreat in the UK because uh, I was literally looking at going to um, uh, Peru, um, and that—that's kind of well, that was my first uh, experience of psychedelics, and it and it was kind of positive, but um, yeah, I, I, the ayahuasca was quite jungly and and strong and a bit dark, and um, <clears throat> I heard about at the time that Professor David Nutt was uh, doing. Um, or just about to start research into psilocybin and magic mushrooms. So after the retreat, I, I just reached out to them. And uh, four years later, uh, they got back to me and said, we're actually doing a, um, a study for depression. Now, at the time, when I, when I first said, hey, I'm interested being a guinea pig for you, um, there was no mention of depression, and, and I, I wasn't depressed. But um, shortly after that, I was was the experience my uh, my mother passed away <clears throat> and um and i was hit with uh, crushing crushing grief yeah surprising uh how badly it affected me really and um as it turned out four years later um i was depressed and uh and i was suitable after uh, after screening for the uh, for the study wow wow and what was that screening process like? You know, you told the story on the on the blog about you know having learned about uh, Professor Nutt's uh, research. Uh, you'd originally, I guess, written a letter and volunteered in 2011, and I guess you were finally invited to participate. You know, several years later, and then the beginning was sort of going through that screening process. Was that just to sort of qualify you as a suitable participant in the uh, research? Yeah, I, it was to make sure that, you know, I, I'd, I'd had uh, depression uh, and I'd had treatment for depression provable, you know, through uh, medical um, 
diagnosis and uh, treatment, um, which which I had had uh, um, at that point. So it, it was providing evidence, giving permission um, to open my medical records uh, and confirm that. And then um, just going through, uh, uh, I think, a screening process where they were looking for things like you know, schizophrenia or, or bipolar kind of things, but also... Um, and, and that was a telephone screening initially, <clears throat> but going through questionnaires, uh, and once that was kind of passed and the medical um, uh, background uh, w- w- was passed, uh, then then it was meeting the guys um, in person. Wow, and, and um, Kirk, what did they had? I mean, I imagine they asked you extensively about uh, about you know if you had tried anything in the past and. Um, was the ayahuasca experience of any, uh, I don't know, of any interest to them, either positively I, or negatively? Or? Yeah, I, I think it was. Um, I mean, um, the fact that I'd had previous experience, you know, um, it was kind of indicated that it, that may be useful. Um, so, you know, rather than going into this not not knowing or had any experience, I mean, it, you know, it, it's quite a scary kind of um, nerve-wracking thing, I think, the first time you do it. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, it was for me taking ayahuasca in, in a field with a load of people I didn't know. Um, yeah, which is which is what I did. You know, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine that. I think that uh, that I mean that sort of fear, or maybe not even fear, just trepidation, is something that's always present. And uh, it's something that while, while reading your blog, and uh, the only the only information I'd had ever read about uh, about these studies and seen uh, the the setup, though very comfortable, had nothing to do with uh, the one that you uh, show in your videos, which is just remarkable. It seems like the the best place ever designed for such an experience. Yeah. So that that uh, the the room itself, I guess you know, you described having uh, a lot of really nice uh, features, like the you know ambient sort of laser lights. I'm curious to to learn more about those. I want to get some for for my loft. Um, <laughs> an aroma machine, you know, candles, fresh flowers. I mean, it sounds like a really yeah. beautiful place. In contrast with some of the early you know return to psychedelic research that we read about in in uh, DMT, the spirit molecule, where they talk about a really clinical setting and how you know, it might have prompted some of the participants to have a really, um, you know, almost scary, like, uh, experience of being probed by, by aliens or something like that, you know, in this really weird clinical environment. So well, can you take us into that room a little bit further? And, and uh, uh, God, I'd say, well, if it had been, cause it was, it, it was in the hospital, it was in the hospital in London. And if it had been just, uh, the generic kind of hospital room, then I think it would have been terrifying. But yeah, like you said, I mean, they the bedding was really nice. They were very careful to hide things, even like plug sockets. There was a, an aroma diffuser there, uh, a laser, a laser thing for the ceiling, um, fresh flowers, fresh fruit around if you wanted it. Um, there was kind of uh, art on the wall. You know, the lighting was very, um, very subdued and nice, and um, and and there was an orientation as well. So before. Once you've been through the screening, you you were taken into the room. Um, they had that. I mean, they had a really good sound system. Um, yeah, really, really good sound system uh, and, and um, headphones. Um, and um, you you were given an orientation as well. So you, you I went into the room, uh, listened to some of the music, uh, laid on a bed, uh, practiced holding hands with the the grounding part. 
and, and that really helped because when it when it came to actually taking the uh, even, even though I had experience before with ayahuasca, I was still really really nervous. And um, I thought, actually, no, that, that room is really nice. The, the people are really nice. And it kind of helped. It really calmed me down. So this was like the, the dry run that you spoke of on the blog where you got to actually go into the room and, and meet the, you know, the researchers and spend some time with them and spend some time in the room to get comfortable with it, uh, to relieve some of that anxiety of that initial you know, uh, meeting, I guess, right? And, and to build up trust as well. So it's, it's to build a, a kind of bond between you, you, and, uh, you and those people, you know, so you can kind of let go and, and feel safe when you're with them. Yeah, they seemed like great hosts, you know, as far as people who are doing the research. Uh, one of the things that impressed upon me was you have a video where you're like checking out the room and it, it just struck me that they, they're so comfortable with what they're doing in the research and that they they seemed so comfortable doing what they're doing that it was cool that they even were in the video, kind of waved hello. Yeah. Um, the informal nature of it, like so, it was Robin, David, and Mark who who That's you were right. working with. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they were they they uh, they were so relaxed and, and made me feel so <clears throat> comfortable. You know, they're all very disarming, um, and they you know uh, they they felt like allies. Um, I, I had a few little kind of freakouts. I mean. Um, before before I did it, I had to have a, an MRI session, <clears throat> and, and and I was convinced it was going to go horribly wrong. And, and I, I made the mistake of looking on Google and came across MRI accidents with people. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there were some great images on there, and 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 really good stories about people having all their dental work ripped out, and oh, and that. Geez. Yeah, <laughs> and that that really, um, but they so they calmed me kind of through that, and, and a lot of it as well was was kind of anxiety management, and I I learned a lot. Um, just by kind of getting through it and, and uh, you know, feeling my anxiety and, and, and not letting it make me run away, you know, which has happened in the past, I think. Hmm. Interesting. So a secondary effect of just going through one of these, uh, you know, participating in this research was that uh, you, you were, I guess, you know, forced to confront your anxiety and kind of yeah. go, go with it and, and stay, stay in it um, and, and come through it. And that's, that's good practice for anybody. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I kind of that that and that's really stoked with me as well. You know, if, if I'd have given in to the anxiety that I had uh, initially and, and, and throughout, you know, I would have missed out. It would have been kind of my loss, you know, and that stayed with me. Kirk, did you have any interaction with other participants in the study? No, no. It, it was very um, centered on me and and the guys and, and meeting kind of people you know, that were involved with EMRI. Um, we, we did, there was a three-month uh, reunion, um, and we met some people then. You know, I, I met some of the other participants and staff. But at the time, it, it was a kind of closed shop around you, so to speak, you know. Sure. And, and what was it like uh, after the three months meeting those other people? I mean, I imagine even though you, never, you had never met, you, you share a, a sort of a yeah. special bond with those people. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. You you kind of had a, an instant bond, you know, and, and you started talking, sharing the common experiences, <clears throat> um, you know, talking through how, how the dose affected you and and, uh, and kind of what, what's changed. I mean, after after three months, I had a bit of a bit of a dip and a grief started to come back and it really um, it really worried me. But then I, I kind of, uh, you know, I got through that period. Oh, great. That's excellent. 
So, uh, so Kirk, you've taken us into the room and uh, described a little bit about the experience, you know, um, in, in the study. Um, can you take us uh, into, into your mind a little bit further and, and tell us what, what it was actually like to participate in, in this case with a psilocybin uh, uh, trial? Um, what, uh, for, the, for the 10 milligram, 25 milligram, or, or just generally? Well, I guess, um, you know, generally, if you want to paint a picture or, um, okay. you know, if you want to make a distinction between you had two trials, the, the 10 milligram and then the, was it 25 was a subsequent uh, large dose? Yep. Yep. 25 milligrams. Excellent. Um, yeah. Well, t- I, tell us, I guess, a little bit about the difference between the two and, and just the overall experience of what it's like to participate. Um, so uh, I had the orientation uh, with the room, you know, uh, previously, and that, that really helped with my nerves uh, because I was getting really nervous. Uh, they very kindly agreed that I could stay at the hospital, so I stayed on site rather than getting the tube train right across London. Um, so I think that made a, made things a bit easier. And um, I, I arrived at nine, um, took the two capsules, which were five milligrams each, at uh, uh uh, 10 o'clock and um and then about half an hour later it, it started to kick in <clears throat> and i started to feel uh very cold and quite shivery and i needed extra blankets and and that was um you know uh, a kind of experience i had the second time as well like this uh psychedelic um turbulence you know the, the, this kind of transfer from 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 here to that kind of psychedelic space and and I was I was trying to think of an analogy after and, and I think it is very much like, you know, kind of take off in a plane. You know, you, you kinda of get to mm. a certain certain height and you hit the clouds and it becomes very bumpy and once you're above the clouds it's plain sailing. And calm and you're you're kinda of going along. And that and that that was kind of that was my kind of transition experience, the, the, the kind of nerves and, and, and the coldness. Um and when I knew it was working, when I, I kind of started seeing these kind of uh, Sanskrit, um, which I looked up later, I, was, I thought that looks like text. And uh, uh, and I, I came across, uh, I looked at like Hindu and, and, and other kind of text I Googled. And uh, I was just getting this Sanskrit text just flashing <clears throat> in the darkness, just very subtle. Yeah. Wow. And I, I knew it was the start of, 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 of it. And... Um, and then you know, I, I kind of I could just see uh, very faint geometrics. So it, it was a nice kind of uh, visually, it was a nice transition, yeah, as opposed to the uh, the kind of turbulence of, of the sensation in my body. Um, and and it, it was quite a gentle kind of transition, yeah. And and then the colour started. But I had this um, I had this feeling once once it started to come on that um, the the vibration wasn't strong enough, and the uh, the, the hue, the wavelength, the colours weren't up kind of high enough and, and there was this one part where I could see there's these jewels and uh, th- these kind of golden structures and, and they became really bright and then turned down and it, it felt like um, <clears throat> it, it, for me, it felt like it was saying, this is how bright it can be, but this is where you are <clears throat> so it gave me a little glimpse of, of wow. what what it could be, um, which was kind of interesting. Um, and then, then, then you're kind of caught in the music. Yeah. I mean, the music was very well, uh, cultivated and, uh, and, and, and that was like, a, a flow, you know, you, you were kind of going on a journey with the music and, um, it brought up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Some parts of it were very sad. It brought up a lot of stuff about my mum. 
uh, and you know I kind of cried quite a bit, and um, some of it was quite insightful, uh, and and at other points it was very restful. It's almost like you know, okay, you've been you've been through a bit here, kind of let let's park here and take a break. Yeah, this this is this is the resting kind of area, you know, right. where where you just switch off. And and there was one track in particular by um, uh, Greg Haynes called 183 Times. I mean, it just blew my socks off at how <laughs> absolutely beautiful it sounded. I mean, the the sensation of sound. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it comes no surprise to anyone interested in this, but you know, it, I mean, it, it completely changes sound. It, it takes on a physicality that you know I've never really experienced before, and yeah. uh, and that was a vibration. As a quick side note, I after reading your blog the first time, uh, I guess it was a few months ago when we first had contact. Yeah, I I took notes on uh, on your musical taste and I I added them to my own uh, personal playlist and I have oh, cool. uh, I have to say I agree with you. I have, <laughs> oh, great, great! I've enjoyed those songs as well as you have. <laughs> oh, I'm really pleased to hear that. Yeah, Kirk, are you still listening to the music from the study these days? Yes. Yeah, I cool. had I, I had a um, I had a session where I kind of uh, set up my apartment with really low light. Uh, I didn't take any anything at all. I just kind of wanted to create a feeling, and, and mm-hmm. I just went through the playlist um, nice. just without that, and it and it was it was great. And you know, it, it really affected me. I, I kind of got goosebumps, and the hair on my arm stood up at, at certain points. You know, and I kind of it brought it brought a lot of it back. You know. Mm. I, I was going to say you also another thing uh, you, you just mentioned you started to reflect on uh, the loss of your mother and the sadness and <clears throat> I think that's one thing I personally have really really enjoyed uh, and I, I've uh, probably in the last 15 years I think probably only taken psilocybin twice but both times had that experience at least for a short uh, period of the experience where I was able to reflect on something that was kind of unresolved and hanging around the back of my mind and just and just be able to be sad and cry about it a little bit uh but not in a terribly grieving way but just just to like comfortably cry and just like let it let it go well the 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 thing was for me you know and i mean this is a very personal thing but i'm i'm really happy to kind of share it is that my my mum was very ill for a long time uh, and I, and I, ha- I actually thought about this the other day. The thing that got me over her death, you know, is an illegal drug, and she was killed by cigarettes that are perfectly legal. So the th- the illegal substance got me over the death of my mother that was, uh, and she was killed by an, uh, uh, which is perfectly legal. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, and I think there's a bit of irony there. But she, um, I, I used to go and see her in the hospital, and and there was this one time, you know, this this kind of situation where. Uh, I go up to the hospital. She'd be uh, she'd be asleep, and I wouldn't wake her. I'd just sit by her bed, and uh, and I knew she would sense that I was there, and she always did. And she woke up, and there was there was so much kind of love between us in in that kind of moment. There, you know that nonverbal communication. You, you know yeah. you, you just know you can feel it, <clears throat> and so I kind of went through that, and I felt that, and it made me feel terribly sad, um, but also you know it, it felt very loving, and and I think that helped. To kind of let go, you know, yeah, a, a little bit of, of the grief. Yeah, I've had similar experiences, you know, to what both you and and Kevin described. I'll add myself to the mix on that one. Um, although in in my past few experiences with psilocybin, I haven't been able to identify any particular um, 
sort of like, uh, you know, memories uh, corresponding with the emotions, but I've felt very emotional and I felt like um, almost like a constant, like series of waves of like, of, um, of crying and, and sobbing and just like a constant, like almost uh, the thing that I thought was really interesting was it would, it would make me yawn like uncontrollably, like mm-hmm. it repeatedly yeah. to yeah. the point where like, I'd be yawning so much that I'd be crying because you know, sometimes you <laughs> yawn and you cry, yeah. but it's it sort of There's... like kickstarted the whole process of like lacrimation or, you know, t- crying. And so, um, it kind of got that mechanism working again in me just spontaneously without even any corresponding memory. It was kind of really, really an interesting physiological, uh, experience. Um, so yeah, there's something to that. Yeah, I, there's a there's a psychedelic yawn, <clears throat> Joe. I I realised that when when I was doing this, you know, because at certain points I would be yawning and yawning, and I thought this must be just a part of that. Yeah, because right. I wasn't tired and I had loads of sleep, so I think there's there's some kind of response in the brain, or or it's something to do with maybe hitting the peak. Do, you, do when were you using music uh, to guide you, Joe? In that case, no. I was I was uh, sort of just uh, lying down um, outside in 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 the woods um, with wow. with some friends around. Uh, Kevin was there, and uh, I was I was actually uh, amazed that he was uh, standing uh, and kind of pacing <laughs> and and like talking and telling stories. And I'm thinking like, like I, I can't even relate to what that was what he's doing right now. I'm just on my back, just totally prone, like um, you know, having this this uh, this. Experience experience of just being like over overcome by by like you know that emotional experience and uh meanwhile he's just sitting there just having the time of his life <laughs> chatting <laughs> that so. sounds great it's also uh i i was just I just finished the uh terence mckenna food of the gods uh book and i i mean there are a, a ton of different ideas he, he brings forth in the book and some of them are far out and some of them aren't and uh but th- on this whole topic i think there's part of the experience uh, as a man that uh is it's an it's a very feminine experience and or, the, or at least there's a feminine power to it and it's something we're not used to being in touch with it's not how our society kind of breeds us to to be and so i i think you you get in touch with that and uh while i was reading the book i kept you know reflecting back on some past experiences thinking like wow he's this is he's onto something here uh that's def- definitely been my experience and uh and I just remembered when Joe uh, got married a few years ago. Was that a few years ago? Okay, a couple, yeah, <laughs> a couple, a couple of years ago. Uh, how poetic! Um, we uh, we had we had a little ceremony uh, after his uh, wedding, and I, I spent the first part of it just in pure joy and elation, and then I actually had like a ten or fifteen minute uh, period of kind of reflecting on on a uh, a past uh, relationship and I I had I had a really good deep cry for like 10 or 15 minutes wow. <laughs> and I, it, it just, just felt so good <laughs> yeah. just, and I, I I haven't thought about it since but I, I you know it, it did resolve something I haven't really spent much time thinking about that in the last few years so hmm. well well on that Kevin <clears throat> if you don't mind me just kind of sure, trying sure. in um, I, I think that was part of my realization you know that that kind of well, what you're saying there was was I, I came to kind of see the, the grief as an ulcer, and this is like a lance for the ulcer. It, it was to kind of just get all this grief out mm-hmm. because I was holding on to the grief to stay connected to my mum, you know, right. and, mm-hmm. and, and that, was a, that was a realization I had. 
um, you know, uh, during the session, and and I didn't need to do that, and and I'm not doing it now. That's great. Yeah, it's kind of a way you can. Uh, you don't have to let her go, but you can evolve the relationship, uh, uh, at least at least the one you you know create for yourself with her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kirk, you had, you had asked Joe before specifically about music, and I, we've talked about it on, on a previous episode, but when I had drank San Pedro, um, I was at, it was at a, someone's house in Peru, and it was a structured, um, kind of like an ayahuasca ceremony, but during the day, and, uh, and with San Pedro, but uh, there was music playing, and I remember music being very central to the experience, especially when... It, I had that moment with grief um, in that particular time because the music that was playing was this uh, this chanting, um, and it was Hare Krishna chanting, and then at some point the lyrics changed to Amazing Grace. Wow! And and just that switch, you know, thinking it it, it brought me like back to the funeral at, at the time my grandmother passed away like within that past year, and I, I it, it turned to grief for me, but exactly how you guys describe where it wasn't. Um, it, it felt welcome and it felt like safe or I felt removed enough from it that I had, I was comfortable, you know, kind of walking up to it and, and experiencing that then. But it was very, very much tied to this kind of musical cue. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, the music it, it, I, th I think is, it is important, but <clears throat> you know, it, I, I I think it influences things to a certain extent, but you know, it, it's still your personal stuff and your experience that's really kind of moving things. But the music just helps you, I, I don't know, guess um, kind of center on it. When we interviewed um, uh, Robert Barnhart about his documentary, uh, in, in that documentary, they, sp they speak specifically about the reason they program music into the experience for people who are going through the clinical trials is uh, to help them embed that sort of you know that experience they're having is uh you know having tying the music to it or tethering the music to the emotion sort of helps embed uh you know embed the treatment and then like you said afterwards you know you went back and listened to the music on your own again and and it was a way to kind of have contact again with all you know everything you went through yeah. right yeah yeah that's a really good point um yeah that's a very good point so, so you can, you, I, I can now listen to other parts of, you know, uh, a certain piece of music, and kind of recall what I felt, uh, and I think, you know, and that that's kind of therapeutic as well. I think, you know. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the song never sounds. Uh, it sounds almost. I don't know. I've always had the experience of of the song just doesn't sound like normal music does to me anymore. It's like <laughs> it's higher than that. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Kirk, I have a question about um, – I think this is from the high-dose session, but there's a part of your blog that I really enjoyed. And generally, I really enjoyed reading through the blog and having different ways that you describe the experience resonate with me and personal experiences I had. Oh, I thought it was really well written in that way. And there's, oh, one, there's one part which totally cracked me up because I feel like I've had this moment. <laughs> um, it, I'm going to read a little bit from the blog if you don't mind me quoting yourself. Oh, no, no. I'm looking forward to this. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the quote was at another point I wanted to know the origin on the word relent and Robin looked it up that mm. seemed so enjoyable discussing the nature of the word and as Robin described the meaning and background I could almost see the images of 15th century England and windmills coming out of his laptop screen light <laughs> do, you, so, you know, do you remember I, that well as, as you're saying that if you could see my arms 
the hairs have all stood up, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm recalling it and I'm getting goosebumps. I mean, that was such a lovely part of it. And the thing is, you know, Robin, I mean, God, what a lovely man he is. You know, you, you think about what he's doing and how, how bloody clever he is. But he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. And and he was totally with me. Absolutely. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't on it, but, you know, it felt like he was. Because he wow. knew what I was going through, he was he was a complete ally, and um, I, I just had a very strong sense that he that he, he was with me and um, was really supportive. So we we were laughing and, and kind of trying to work out the, the you know where this word came from. I was laughing at my arms as well because they suddenly kind of become huge like Popeye, and and <laughs> kind of, uh, you know so I was going look at my arms and um, all around that period the. Um, I kind of took off my my eye my um, eye shade, mm-hmm. and I, I wondered how they'd uh, managed to change the lighting in the room so quick because there was, you know, it, it suddenly looked so beautiful, uh, and and the light had just completely changed. Obviously, I, I mean, by that point, I was at the peak of it, and um, yeah, the, that that was really nice. That that kind of part of it, that playful part. You know, I was kind of guided back in by David. He said, "Okay, you know, it's like almost like, come on, boys, you've had your fun. <laughs> get, get, get back up with me, Coke. You know, there's work to be done here." It seemed like such a great team. I actually uh, made a note here about Robin Carhart Harris, um, kind of a hero of the show. We who we sometimes refer to as uh, Boy Wonder. Um, he's just such a. He seems like such a great guy. Um, he gave you some of the flowers from the session to take home as kind of another little, you know, memento. Um, yep you know, touch point to kind of like just bring you back to the experience. And, um, yeah, it strikes me as it's just really important that such, you know, seemingly really good people, um, you know, are, are, are running these studies. Um, you, you know, can you speak more about just how that, you know, led to a, your positive experience, just the, the, the researchers themselves? Well, I think, I think it'd have been, you know, somebody in a white coat with a clipboard saying, you know, how'd you feel now, Mr. So-and-so, <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been, it, it would have been kind of quite, clinical and horrible but you know it, 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 throughout it was the opposite of that I mean you know um, I think I think they all play, played different roles you know Robin Robin was my ally kind of through that David was um, dad kind of, <laughs> no no Mark no? was dad no, no Mark okay, was okay. dad <laughs> yeah he, he was like the strong kind of masculine kind of guy you know when I was having a bit of a freak out he, he really held my hand tightly and um, uh, yeah David was mum Ah. I told I told them that as well. <laughs> uh, I don't know I, I don't know whether they appreciated it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it felt, you know. Um, and um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, really, it, it was I, I was very very well looked after. I mean, even with the MRI staff, you know, I mean, I I, I was so nervous about having the MRI. If you don't mind me jumping back to this, sure. I actually went. I had I had, um, I had uh, a lot of dental work done. Um, which is, I know it's unusual for British guys, no, I'm only kidding. And um, I had um, uh, titanium implants put in. So when I'm worried about it all being ripped out in the MRI, I actually got a metallurgical breakdown. This is this is how kind of nervous and neurotic I was before. From the company, and certainly through to the MRI people, and they, uh, they said, no, you're fine, don't worry. Yeah. And they were very, um, they were very kind of, decent about it but i was just kind of freaking out before yeah but they're all very calm very professional very nice you know even when i was really nervous yeah 
That's great. That's uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, Kirk, also going back to your blog, there's uh, there was something that uh, <laughs> made me laugh a lot was that uh, you mentioned after one of the experiences going to uh, the zoo <laughs> and that uh, suddenly the idea of going to the zoo didn't seem as attractive because you uh, you started to feel really bad about the animals. Yeah, yeah, they all looked so tired and sleepy and fed up and I just thought, I don't know why, I, I, I should have realized that before. I mean, I haven't been to a zoo for a long time for those that kind of reason. Sure. But I thought, I thought, I had somehow thought that, you know, kind of being in nature might help me, but it's not nature, is it? It's just, you know, <laughs> depressing. <laughs> and uh, just dra- kind of dragging my friend around all these kind of, uh, you know, bored animals uh, and, and um, what are those little things that stand up on their kind of back legs and look around, what are they called? Meerkats. Yeah. You know, <laughs> basking under sun lamps, you know, which. <laughs> Uh, was a bit, uh, yeah, yeah. That was definitely a mistake. Yeah, when we when we were preparing for the show and and collecting our notes after having read the blog, we observed that independently we'd commented that we also don't like Zeus. <laughs> yeah, which is the topic of our new podcast. <laughs> Why we hate Zeus? Yeah. So, Kirk, how are you feeling? These days, I mean, do you feel like because it's been what six months now since since you had the the sessions? I had um, I had I had my six month interview with one of the uh, uh, psychologists or psychiatrists um, this week actually. Oh wow! And, um, uh, you know, I, I said everything has changed. Yeah, wow. everything has changed. Um, I got really worried after. Um, uh, not long after my um, high dose session, because because I felt great and I, I I had a realization. I was out with a friend shopping, and I suddenly felt like there was a lot of space around me. Like I, I kind of I don't know. I just had this feeling of a lot of space, and I, and I was trying to translate it in my mind. You know, how would I describe it? And it was um, kind of it, it it was hope. It was uh, optimism. Yeah, you know, which I hadn't felt for a long time. Uh, and when I realized that, I mean, that felt really good. But then a while later, it started to go away. And um, and, and I'd say, uh, you know, to put it in an analogy, it's like dropping a heavy box into into a lake. You know, it, it'll go under, it'll rise right up, go under, you know, and, and eventually it'll, it'll kind of level out. And I think that is what happened to me, you know. So I, I kind of... I was really good. Then I, I kind of dropped a bit, and then I kind of came back, and, I, and now I've, I've kind of leveled out. And um, you know, things are better at work for me. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't say I'm depressed. I'm not being crushed by the grief. It came back around about three months uh, after, hmm. um, <clears throat> and I was able to kind of you know just get through it. Um, and I think I think that's part of it as well. I think after you know it isn't just a case of of, of, of taking this and, and then, uh, you know, having everything fixed for you and being better. I think, you, yeah, with anything, you, you've got to do a bit of work as well. Um, and it's definitely a good kind of toolkit, you know, to give you the tools to kind of do that. And, um, yeah, I mean, my life at the moment is, is going really well. You know, everything I kind of wanted, uh, it, it, it will, I'm moving towards, you know, I'm, I'm more organized than I've ever been. I mean, I'm 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 still kind of amazed by that, you know. Um, and at one point, I mean, I, I kind of said jokingly to my my dad, I, I, you know, is this a precursor for a mental breakdown? Yeah, because <laughs> every, everything's going so well, and I'm I'm kind of so organized, and I'm kind of worried, you know. 
Um, Which is a very, very curious, um, a very curious feeling in general. I've, I've had that feeling as well, where it's like when you when you get used to things being bad for a while, and then <clears throat> and then they start to improve. Uh, there's like a little bit of fear, like, well, I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to react. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. When's the other shoe gonna drop? Yeah. <laughs> right. When, when are, are they gonna, gonna put me back in the zoo with the rest of the meerkats? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so, Kirk, were, were there any um, specific, you know, therapeutic uh, practices or anything that they recommended, or that anyone else, you know, outside the study had recommended to you, um, you know, in 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 sort of trying to, you know, maintain this this level of, uh, uh, you know, breakthrough? Um, uh, at the end of the study, uh, they gave me a, this lovely little book by the uh, uh, Dalai Lama. You know, as just really nice little kind of very good quotes in. And, and and they said, look, you know, from this point on now, you know, maybe you could think about um, doing some uh, meditation, you know, and that that would also kind of facilitate being around uh, possibly like-minded people, you know, or people that are seeking, you know, uh, something else, and 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 positive people. Um, but to be honest, I, I haven't I haven't really done that um, because I, I've been caught up with actually doing things in my life that. You know, I've been wanting to do, and 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 I'm now doing. You know, uh, which which in itself is is positive. You know, um, but I have I, I had a, I had a really kind of subtle experience that, that stuck out in the first dose. Do you, do you mind if I jump back to that? No, that sure. sounds good. I saw um, I saw this kind of figure uh, very very quickly, but it was very clear, very it, it, it was almost highlighted. You know, you know, like when you're in a dream and and something seems to stick out. You know, you, you know it's kind of important. Does that make sense? Sure. sure. Yeah, it, it's kind of more to the front. So I saw um, this Indian deity, this elephant kind of god, um, and uh, and so I looked it up, and it was called uh, Ganesh. So I, I looked up, you know, what, what it was, and, and, and it was a feeling of, like, I was a child, and this was, this was looking at me. It, it was almost glancing at me just to say, just checking you're okay. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Okay, I'm moving on. Hmm. And I thought it was really weird because, you know, that's not my kind of archetype. You know, that, that I didn't even know, you know, who that was, so to speak. Um, so anyway, I looked it up, and it, and it turns out that Ganesh is a – a god of um, uh, removing obstacles. Hmm. So I thought, okay. So I started learning the chants, <clears throat> uh, and then I learned the four chant because it's in Hindu. I mean, it took me a while, and so I've been doing that um, quite regularly. And I think that you know, it, it, in a way, is, is a bit of meditation because you're you're focused on that, you know, and and you're doing that chant 108 times, um, and all the obstacles, you know, whether where it's to do with that. Yeah, I'm not. I have been removed, like I said. You know, things things are going better than uh, I really could have thought they were. You know, um, before I started this, I was in a very dark place, but I'm I'm not now. You know, and things are moving well. And I had a really little weird incident. Now, I'd be interested to see what you guys think of this. Obviously, saying this to kind of scientists, they're a bit more uh, kind of feet on the ground. But mm-hmm. I was at work um, after this happened, and. Uh, a guy, guy came into my office. Uh, we've got a lost property box there. And he said, oh, I've lost a ring and uh, I need to find it. I was like, okay, uh, I'll have a check. When did you lose it? He said, a year ago. I said, 
hang on, mate, you're coming here a year after you lost the ring. Do you really think we're going to have it? And why, why has it taken you a bloody year to come here? And he said, well, I've been meditating. And uh, <laughs> I thought, you know, is this a wind-up? And I, so he said, I've been meditating. And I realized that I went to the toilet, um, took off the ring to wash my hands, and, uh, and left it there. I said, oh, okay, what did it look like? He said, well, it's an elephant. Um, uh, it's an elephant god called Ganesh. Wow. And I happened to work. And I just thought, I've never had any mention of Ganesh before. And I know, you know, you could say, well, it's just because I was more aware of it at that point. I might not have noticed it before. But I just thought that was a peculiar kind well, of Well, yeah, Kirk, Kirk, I'm, I'm going to add another layer, layer to this right now because uh, <laughs> about one month ago, um, so I, I actually didn't know Ganesh's name either. I'd seen the image before, I guess, uh, well, you know, in some yoga style t-shirts or some posters perhaps in a yoga studio or something and uh, I was uh, in the midst of a pretty intense psychedelic experience with my girlfriend and I was lying down on the sofa and then and when I looked up at her I saw Ganesh's face oh wow uh, it was she she was Ganesh I mean this was momentary this all happened one split second but I saw I, I very very clearly saw that image and uh it's been sort of a, a joke. I've, I've feminized Ganesh, and that's my nickname for her now and everything. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Yeah. She, she has she mixed feelings about that. Yeah, yeah women say, love being compared to an elephant, that, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, uh, yeah, she's coming around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Being compared to an elephant is not the most flattering. Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, but then, you know, I, I also did look up uh, Ganesh after that, and I thought uh, it was kind of really cool. The particularly the what the god represents in terms of wisdom and knowledge, but also I like the the remover of obstacles because yeah. I I have to say that uh, this this meeting her and this relationship and everything has been for me. Uh, has removed the last obstacle I would say wow. in my life and so I, you know you know like you said it's hard to you have these feelings and these things it's hard to keep your feet on on the ground about them um, and decide if anything really means anything or not but it uh, it doesn't matter because it makes you feel better you know? have, you, have you had a go at doing any chanting Kevin no never okay when I'll, I'll send you the uh a really good page on Ganesh. It's got the chants and the uh, everything on there. If you don't mind. Sure, sure, sure. I'd love that. Okay. I think I, I might get a like a you know a stern look from my girlfriend. When don't, yeah. don't do it when she's around. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna get her right into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she has to accept who she is. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's fantastic, and yeah, as as listeners will gather from this uh, interview, there's uh, quite a bit of very interesting material that that you've shared on your blog, Kirk, and we do encourage listeners to check it out for a really excellent first person description of what it's like to participate in modern psychedelic research. Um, everything from the kind of background and you know the the sort of anxieties that any of us would feel, you know, going into an MRI machine, for example, um, you know, showing up for these uh, for these studies. Um, you even include videos from your accommodations at uh, Imperial College in London. Um, it was just really a great behind-the-scenes um, look at uh, what it's like to participate. So we definitely encourage listeners to check it out. Um, and we'll post links on our, uh, our site at entheogenshow.com. And uh, Kirk, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a really, uh, just a pleasure and a really great interview and a really interesting um, glimpse you've shared uh, behind the scenes. And congratulations on your process and, and best of luck. 
Oh, thank you. It's, it's been a, a real pleasure speaking to you guys as well, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for being so, um, you know, kind and, and uh, hospitable and, and having me. I, I really appreciate it. Kirk, I want to thank you personally too. It's you know your your story is incredible, and I thank you so much for coming on and and uh, and sharing it with everybody. And I just think it's so um, it's just so uplifting. You know, it's such a hopeful story. And uh, you know, hopefully, if someone else in a in a similar situation uh, hears your story, it, it does the same thing to them. So oh, I think you're, you, you have a, you have a powerful story. Yeah, thank I you. agree. Just to echo those comments, and it's cool to to actually chat because having read the blog and seen the videos, it feels like this isn't an introduction. We're sort of meeting again. Um, so mm -hmm. thanks for your time. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. Thank you.